you're listening to The Tech Box. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of The Tech Box. It's me, James Honeyball, and on the other side, it's Richard Yates. Hi, Richard. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm very well. Beautiful sunny day here. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, having said that, it, the weather has been absolutely awful for the last oh, couple of days with sort horrendous, of horrendous, yeah, uh, drizzly rain and loads of wind. So it's good to see the uh, sun poke out. Yeah, yeah, it's still there, so uh, so we can carry on for a bit longer. And and the other important thing to remember is we're now, or are we, two weeks away, just under from the shortest day. So I think yes. we're going to start getting better soon, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just need to hold on in there for another yeah. couple of weeks, and then uh, it all starts getting better. Yeah, we get our, get our own back on the southern hemisphere then, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's move very quickly onto issues of a technical nature. Hmm. And I think both of us have been quite heavily involved in trying to uh, achieve a good outcome from the Black Friday sales oh. and specifically oh. pixels and contracts. Oh. And uh, judging by your noises, yours didn't oh. go quite as well as mine did. Oh, we touched me, on it uh, no. last episode where I was saying, oh, I might investigate this. And I did uh, dip my toe in, and the deal that I think I got was pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think we've both essentially got the same deal. We're just waiting. I think you're just waiting for the confirmation. I think we'll get to that. But I I waited patiently because uh, there was a delay. We got Vodafone through mobile phones direct, and eventually my SIM turned up, my phone turned up, and the details of the uh, contract turned up and it seems to be absolutely killer yeah so just a very quick summary it seemed to be 37 pound a month reduced to roughly 31 pounds if you include a automatic cashback that should be automatic hopefully it will be hang on how did you get 30 oh of course you got the smaller pixel yeah okay gotcha so 37 down to 31 mm-hmm. you get 80 gig of data yep infinite texts, infinite calls. Uh, You get Spotify or Now TV or Sky Sports, I think. There's a couple of other entertainment things that you can choose from. So I'll choose uh, Spotify, which I pay £10 a month for already. So that brings it down to £21. Uh, Plus you get uh, a really good roaming deal. You get Vodafone's top roaming. So Vodafone Roaming Plus. Yeah which includes lots of sort of Caribbean-type places and USA, Canada, as well as all of your EU and extended European destinations. Uh, It seems to be one of the better roaming deals in terms of speeds and that sort of good stuff. So um, all in all, this looks like an incredible package, £21 a month, plus they've thrown in a 64-gig Pixel 3. That, all in all, is a pretty incredible deal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think both of us are in the same situation. Neither of us has had a a contract with a phone for a very long time. But, I mean, I I, I sort of took a deep breath on this and thought, "Mm, this is just too good to ignore. Um, And and effectively, it is. I mean, I I went for the the 3XL, so so mine comes out an effective £35.50 after automatic cashback. But either way, you know, for what you're actually getting, it's quite an amazing deal, isn't it? The only problem is it's been rather hard work. You've certainly, I've certainly had to have patience, but I think there's a little bit more complexity with you, wasn't there? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Partly my own fault, I guess. Well, not my own fault. In, in January last year, I had some problems with uh, identity theft. And so I registered on the Credit Industry Finance Awareness Scheme, CIFAS, which basically puts an extra flag on your credit record and says, uh, if you're asked to enter into a new contract, you've got to carry out enhanced checks. Now, I'd forgotten about this, I must confess. And, I, and to be fair, I can see why this is a, a pain. At the same time, I still don't think it was handled very well because it took 10 days for them to get in touch with me and say, oh, we need some more information. And the information they wanted was passport and a utility bill. Um, and that caused me a bit of a problem because although I've got a passport and I, I just got a scan of that, so I thought, no problem, uh, nice scan of that. Um, all of my utilities are online. Um, so I ultimately ended up downloading my uh, Vodafone bill because I've got a Vodafone business contract which expires in a couple of months' time, which we can talk about a little bit in a minute. Um, and effectively, this new contract is going to replace that because obviously the, the 80 gigabyte deal won't be available then. Um, so I sent them the Vodafone bill thinking, if you're credit checking this for a new Vodafone line, the fact that you can see there that uh, I have an account with Vodafone and you're easily able to check that it's open, uh, you'd think might make life a little bit easier. So, so anyway, having having sort of uh, decided the best thing I could do was give them uh, a copy of the Vodafone bill, um, surprise, surprise, they then turned around and rejected that information because it wasn't a utility bill. <laughs> so, so at this point, I'm applying for a Vodafone contract and my existing Vodafone bill isn't actually good enough evidence that I am who I say I am. So um, I ended up, um, they also said that a scan of a passport wasn't acceptable, you've got to have a photograph. So, well, okay, fair enough, I'm not entirely sure why, but that's up to them, I suppose. Um, so what I ended up doing was printing off my online um, utility bill from the power suppliers, taking a photograph of the printed-off bill, which, of course, <laughs> was all in various shades of grey, yeah. and, up and uploading that. And the irony of that was that was accepted in about 10 minutes. So at that point, they really did get their act together. Uh, and I then got a, a real flurry of uh, emails, one after another, saying that my uh, Pixel 3XL had been dispatched. Uh, and sure enough, it turned up by DPD the next day, although even that was a little bit surprising because um, DPD website says... It's being loaded onto the van, and we'll tell you after 11 o'clock when it will be delivered, and it actually turned up at half past nine. So, oh, right, okay. So, so I wasn't actually ready for it, really, but that's not sort of a problem. So so I now have this 3XL. Um, the the cashback still isn't tracking, which is perhaps not surprising. Um, but on top of all that, it still says, when I, when I look at it, SIM not provisioned for voice. Well, in fact, the SIM doesn't seem to be provisioned for anything, of course. It basically hasn't yet been activated. So I don't actually know for certain that I've got the right tariff. Um, and the cashback isn't tracking, but I guess the two might might be the same. So when you say the cashback isn't tracking, you're talking about a separate, like, top cashback rather yeah, than... Yeah, on, on top cashback, yeah. Because the actual deal itself includes some cashback. Oh, yeah, that's, that's automatic cashback, but there's yeah. top, top cashback of about 45 quid, if I remember rightly, on this. But I guess, I guess that these top cashback things, you probably can't double up, so... I oh, you can, yeah. Can you? Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah. okay. More often than not, you can. Okay. Uh, the, the problem is, if the cashback doesn't track immediately, you've got this problem. You then have to sort of say, hang on a minute, I did this through your, your website. And they then have to investigate it. And sometimes you, sometimes you, they say, oh, yes, we can see you did. And sometimes they don't. Well, the fact that this has taken sort of like two weeks to go through um, sort of inclines me to think that it probably is going to be a bit of a palaver. But there we are. We'll, we'll get there. I shall, I shall chase them and see what happens. There's no no downside to that okay um so i've now got the the 3xl um and that's a nice phone i'm, I'm you know I, i'm long since past worrying about notches i think this is a pretty inelegant one to be honest and, and i'm not convinced that really it's 
sensible the way they've done it. On the other hand, it's such a big notch because in the middle it's got a quite decent speaker. So it's uh, a bit of a case of six or one and a half dozen the other. But what I'd really like is for my, my 3XL now to be activated, uh, or at least the, the SIM in it to be activated. I mean, I'm, I'm not too worried to put a different SIM in it for a day or two. I'm sure it'll get sorted out fairly quickly. Um, so I'm in a rather luxurious position because I think I was saying to you on the last show I'd managed to pick up a, a three for what was then a fairly bargain price, but now it doesn't look quite such a bargain price. Compared but... to free, it's less of a bargain. Well, exactly, but it was a private purchase, so there's not much I can do about that. Um, but I now have this this interesting situation where I have both Pixel threes to compare, and and obviously my plan is to to move one on fairly fairly quickly, and and I did think having had the uh, the three for a couple of weeks, I really like the phone. Um, my eyes don't tremendously like the size of the screen, which is a bit disappointing because uh, that's you know just a case of eyes not being as good as they ought to be. So let's let's get into that because that's my probably my biggest problem with it. Mm. So it kind of goes back to the Pixel Two. I remember picking up the Pixel Two and thinking that they'd set the uh, level of uh, you know the PPI or the amount of stuff that they wanted to display on the screen just too high. It's too cramped. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And it, it's it's the one of the few times because you know I sort of you know sit here and um, feel lucky because you talk about difficulties you know seeing, hearing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I consider myself fully functional in regards to seeing and hearing, pretty much. Mm. But certainly the Pixel Two was too cramped and too small. Yeah. And I, I think the same about the Pixel 3. And what it means is that I have to crank the font size up in settings and the display size up in settings, one notch each. Yep. And that always looks, for some reason, which is very difficult to articulate, it looks uglier throughout the UI once you've done that. I agree. Uh, I think that the phone manufacturers like almost tune everything to the particular font size that they've picked for the phone and the particular sort of display size they've picked for the phone. And once you start playing about with it, it always looks compromised. Uh, And so that's the situation I'm in with the Pixel 3. And as an aside, it's one of the things that I really like about Xiaomi is that their phones, uh, they pick a very nice... PPI by default. Yeah. So the the font size and the amount of stuff on screen is nicely judged uh, by Xiaomi. Also LG. I've never had a problem with the LGs, although they tend to have much bigger screens. Um, but certainly, yeah, this Pixel Three non XL, uh, the screen's a little bit too cramped, and it's not the actual physical size of the screen because it's five point five inches and a you know an old iPhone which was four point seven inches. Uh, albeit at slightly different aspect ratio, but probably about the same area, mm. or even a or even a four inch iPhone SE. I never struggled to read the information off the screen, but for some reason, maybe it's the combination of this particular panel, the LG panel, yeah. plus the size, plus the way that they've set up the PPI. It is a bit of a struggle to read, uh, certainly without adjusting things. That's, that's exactly how I feel. Um, I mean, I, I have the fonts that are at the largest size, and and I can read it. I can read it fairly comfortably, but I wouldn't want to say, for example, be sat on a plane for a couple of hours reading it as a Kindle because I think I'd start to get a headache from reading it. Yeah. Um, now, the, the, the interesting thing is I thought uh, that when I got the, the 3XL that I probably would think, ah, this actually answers all of the questions. But actually, that's an interesting question itself. I mean, when when I got the um, new iPhone this year, I thought, well, am I going to go for the larger one, or shall I go for the one that's the same size as the 10? And really, I wasn't 
desperately fussed either way. And, and I suppose really the reason I got, ended up with the, the 10X Max is as much as anything else, stock became available for it sooner. Um, and, and indeed the 10S Max is, is, is fine. I have the, the 8 Plus and the 7 Plus and the 6S Plus. Um, but what surprised me quite a lot about the 10S Max is that actually in many ways I missed the size of the 10. Um, so I think now actually with hindsight I would have been okay with the, uh, the 10S and maybe I should have waited for it. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it until next year's model comes out. But I think there's a good chance I'll go down. And, and, and I thought, well, you know, maybe the, the, the 3XL is going to be, uh, I suppose slightly smaller than the tennis max, but it, it, if it is, it's not not enough to to make any real difference. So, so what you've now got is a, a really quite thumping pixel that a bit like the tennis max. I can't close my hands around it. No, I can't quite do it. Um, whereas I could pretty comfortably around the, the iPhone 10. So, in many ways, there are things I really like about the the three XL, but actually the size I'm not so struck on. I, th- I thought I would prefer it more than I do. What I really want is a sort of um, uh, Pixel three, uh, two, well, three point five XL, I suppose, something like that. One that's sort of halfway between the two. It, it, the, in, in terms of big phones, I definitely prefer the format that that um, Samsung have got now on, on, for example, the Note Nine. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think um, instinctively, I should love a slightly smaller phone, but you've got to do it right. You know, you've mm. got to pick, you've got to pick a clear screen, and you've got to pick a good size font and a good clear font and a, you've got to have the screen arranged in a slightly in a clean way and i think the pixel 3 just misses on that on that front i mean with regards to the screen it's fairly average uh, on the on the pixel 3 i have to say you know for a, it's not 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 special is it it's not it's not special at all which is slightly disappointing given that the screens last year certainly for the XL were average, you would have thought that that's the one thing that they would knock out of the park this year. Yeah. But I guess when you are, even when you're Google and you're a slightly small manufacturer, getting hold of the best panels still seems to be a struggle for them. It does. And and I think what's uh, interesting is if you compare it with the G7, I think it's definitely an inferior panel to the G7. Oh. I I mean, actually, the G7 is probably more the size I thought the 3XL was going to be. And I mean, to to an extent, that's my fault for not checking anymore. But it it was more the deal that I was actually after. But but the screen on the G7 is a big step up, I think, from um, previous ones. I had to stop comparing them and looking at them. Yeah. Because you get a little bit upset if you look at the G7, which has got a... It's got one of the best LCDs. I would probably be hesitant to say it's the best. There's a couple of issues that I have with it around um, black levels and things, which is possibly a tiny bit better on the latter iPhones. Um, But it's got a superb LCD screen, and the Pixel 3 has got a fairly average AMOLED screen. It's, It's certainly no better than the V30 screen or the 2XL screen from last year, in my opinion. No, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know, I've still got the V30. Let's compare the two. I've not tried those two together, but I know I winced when I compared the uh, the G7 screen to it. Let's, let's have a look. Yeah, I mean, I think actually, I think I actually prefer the V30 screen. Yeah, if I'm absolutely honest. Better, better we don't make this comparison, James. It's no, a, a route's a heartache, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the phone itself and you look at the screen itself, it's fine. Um, oh yeah, you can probably tell it's not a, it's not one of the best screens out there, but it's absolutely fine. Um, and as a package, it's obviously the camera is brilliant, uh, and perhaps we'll move on to that separately. But as a device, it is a very sort of average 
device, and certainly even the um, touch response and the fluidity of the phone going from screen to screen, is I, I struggle to see the difference between this and any other flagship. Uh, whereas previously and historically, the Nexuses and the Pixels used to be a step up in terms of touch response and how smooth everything was. I think everyone else has kind of caught up and the Pixels haven't taken that next step. You know, there's no reason why the Pixels couldn't have gone with 120 hertz like the uh, iPad Pro's ProMotions, you know, and tried to take things a step further, you know, take android a step further by doing something special with its displays or its frame rate or its touch response or something like that i think the way google have actually developed the pixel range is actually really quite odd isn't it really because they clearly sort of said well we're going to have a sort of premium uh, android phone and and we're going to charge a premium price like apple does um and in many ways the pixel is indeed the sort of uh, the sort of iphone in the android world isn't it yeah but but the thing about it is, and, and you know, yeah, I think you have to say this, Apple doesn't do everything better than anybody else. But what Apple does do is it never releases anything until it works properly. Well, never is perhaps stretching it lately. There have been one or two problems with particularly iOS 11, weren't there? Um, but as a generalisation, you know, an, an iPhone is a good, capable, all-rounder, a fairly reliable, uh, decent sound, decent camera, uh, and so on. Um what they've kind of done with this is they've got a stunning camera on it. I mean, uh, when I was away um, a fortnight ago uh, visiting my grandchildren who live abroad, um, I've got some fantastic pictures of them, some that are probably, you know, certainly two or three I get printed off and framed. Um, and they basically are cropped out of snaps. The, the, the quality of the, of the picture and the, the detail at pixel level is amazing. So the camera is astonishing. So why not put a, a better panel on them? Um, and... I don't know, what's the sound like on the three? I, I, I'm not really the right person to ask about the sound because I'll, I work in a very small room, so I don't need anything to turn up very loud. And anyway, I've got a, um, careful, I've got a, I've got a, a wireless speaker, shall we say, uh, of the Amazon variety. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I just connect to that if I want anything any, any louder. But um... Yeah, yeah, same here most of the time, yeah. I mean, the speakers on the Pixel 3 are, are fine. I, I, To be honest, I haven't done a, a complete sort of judgment against the iPhone X or the G7 or the V30. It's probably a bit. It's probably somewhere between the V30 and the G7. I would have thought yeah. in terms of um, my use case. In terms of because my use case is basically listening to talk radio through the speakers, and I'll move my phone from room to room as I'm getting ready in the morning. That's the usual uh, use case I have for the speakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I listen to some music while I'm working usually. Uh, sometimes if I'm, if I've got, if I've got the, uh, one of my monitors is set up uh, as a, a TV sometimes, well, I might use the speaker then. But other than that, I, I just don't really play the sound very, very much on the, on the phone itself. In the car, I get in, it connects the Bluetooth kit and away it goes. Um, so having sort of boom sound speakers might be nice to use an HTC, uh, thingy i think but but having those might be nice but it it just isn't really a very big thing for me honest um i do have other ways of playing the sound but but i just think uh, i mean one thing i would say about this about the pixel 3s is they feel a much more premium device than the pixel 2s uh i i, I yeah you know, it, it doesn't feel like a blimey i'm being completely ripped off here because if it, this is any other phone i'd be complaining about the build quality it does feel very nicely built and i just think not having a tip-top quality panel on it is a failing they shouldn't have got. You know, it, should, it just shouldn't have happened, should it? Really? No, I, I guess they. I guess going forwards, they will strive to 
source better and better panels but i guess um you know i guess they're not apple and they're not that they don't make their own you know i.e samsung or lg so they just have to go and buy off the shelf and um it looks like they've kept with a samsung and lg combination um neither of which are necessarily the top draw ones because i think even the uh 3xl samsung panel uh there's been some comments around uh, it being a little bit warm and perhaps not as bright as uh as a you know a note 9 or a s9 or one of those sort of top draw panels yeah i mean the the, the note 9 panel is a thing of joy i mean it, the, the the um at the moment on, on my note 9 i have a, a wallpaper that samsung produced which um it's a christmas scene and, and it's it's all I, I swear it even looks 3d it's such a such a good, good clear panel and whatever, and it, it just looks so nice. If you if you had that on a um, on one of the pixels, it really would sort of leap out at you. And, and the rest of it, I think, is is definitely getting there. But the panel is a bit drab. Is probably the best way, isn't it? Yeah, and this is what when uh, Apple went premium and they put their one thousand pound iPhone X together, they sourced what is clearly an excellent panel from Samsung. Yeah. Yeah, they spent they spent the money on it, didn't they? And and you'd think as well that Google may not be a big manufacturer, but you'd think that it it would have a close enough relationship with it, with the, the big panel manufacturers, with Samsung yeah, yeah. Or, or LG. Yeah, I mean LG, LG. We don't we still don't really know, do we? Quite what, what the manufacturing process is behind the Pixel. Am I right? When they bought a load of stuff out of HTC, didn't they? But yeah, I guess the theory is that certainly the last ones there was all this talk about the big one being made under contract manufacturing by LG and the smaller one being HTC, you would assume that moving forwards, if anyone's going to do the contract manufacturing, it would be HTC, depending on what factories they've got left. So presumably HTC did both of these phones, but um, the panels they certainly sourced from LG and Samsung. So you'd you'd think that really, having previously had LG manufacture the phones, they'd have a certain amount of clout with them when it came to saying, can you provide us with some panels as good as the G7, for example? Yeah, I guess... Or even the V30. Yes, I would have liked them to have either put a panel on like some of the top V30 examples that we've seen, which are very, very nice, although not Samsung nice, but they're very, very nice, or go LCD. You know, I'm not tied to... They seem to be tied to AMOLED for things like the Daydream and the AR, but, you know, I would rather they just put a top-quality LCD panel in there, personally. Yeah, yeah, I I think I agree with you. I mean, to be honest, again, I'm not a I'm not a purist when it comes to which sort of panel. What I want is a nice, clear, bright screen. Um, And, yeah, the, the screens are... It's it's been very picky to say the screens aren't great, but they they aren't as good as some of the other ones out there from the competition at the moment, and I, and I think that probably is noticeable. But I suppose um, from my point of view, I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Um, we saw Gavin had a problem with the what seemed to be a hardware fault with the screen, where it had that flickering problem, which seems to be quite common. So hopefully it won't develop that, and it'll stay working but i'll keep it and i'll keep it mainly because in my mind because we got such a good deal on this contract you know i essentially got it for free so you know i don't need to worry about having spent 750 pounds for it exactly effectively if you if you want the contract anyway uh, or even a contract not as good as the one that we got um or at least you got i'm hoping i did (laughs) um but you know 
I, I don't need 80 gigabytes a month or anything like it, but it's it's actually, um, yeah, the contract it's replacing is actually well, well, not quite a decent rate anyway, but effectively switching contracts is costing me £12 a month, of which I get £10 a month back in Spotify straight away, and if the cashback works out, it's costing me something like 30p a month. Well, you know, um, 30p a month for a Pixel 3 XL is actually not so bad. I'm not going to complain about that. No, so, no, no um, absolutely. So really, yeah, it was too good a deal to say no to, especially given that I, I try and have a, a Vodafone contract and an EE contract on the go. Um, primarily for roaming options, as you say. Yeah, I think that about. I think I'll. I've got two EE lines. One is my main one. Yeah. And one is a data one. Uh, they both have like twenty or thirty gig on them. Uh, both have reasonable roaming. This sort of it's the four G EE Max plan, which has decent enough roaming. So I'll keep one of those. I think I'll cancel my main number one and port the m- number over to Vodafone, and keep the. Uh, EE data only one and um, go forwards with that. The one thing in terms of uh, one more final comment on the Pixel 3 is I was using them with my Sony headphones, which are these lovely uh, Sony headphones that use the LDAC codec. And I started to play about with different things. And I I started playing about with Tidal, which is the um, sort of high quality version of Spotify where you get sort of cd quality music and then you get sort of even better quality music sort of master audio they call it and i noticed that my lg phones will will be able to use tidal at that master quality using mqa which is like this sort of flak like uh encoding that is like above cd mm-hmm. um the lg phones support it but the pixel 3 doesn't so it doesn't have a headphone jack but it also doesn't uh, give you the best quality possible over Bluetooth in terms of what it does give you LDAC, but it, you can't use things like Tidal to give you that MQA quality audio going over. So it's a little bit disappointing that it's not top of the range from that point of view as well. Yeah. But it's that, I suppose that's a very minor criticism because being able to tell the difference would be very difficult, I'm sure. But it's annoying not knowing you're not getting the yeah, best. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I've I got to say, not knowing is probably not an issue for me. But still, um, yeah, if you're if you're into that and you, you have the equipment and the ears, then I can see why that's very frustrating. But, I mean, I suppose it should, we shouldn't be totally down on the Pixel 3. It is better than um, the Pixel 2. I think both the 3 and the 3XL are better than their last year's version. There was still some frustration, I think, with last year's version in terms of them not quite being right up to date, right contemporary. You know, we had a 16.9 screen when on the Pixel 2 when everyone else was going 18.9, albeit they did that on the uh, 2XL. And this year, it kind of, this feels like this would have been a brilliant phone last year. You know, nice 18.9 screen and, um, and everything else. But they're still very decent phones. It's just that we're just nitpicking because we can, really. I'd put it this way. Um, it, it's perhaps not surprising that they um, bought HTC's manufacturing because I always liked HTC's phones. Uh, uh, in fact, I've still got a 1M9 lurking around here somewhere with, with lineage on it. Um, and, you know, lovely build quality. I think the build quality for a long time on HTC was second only to Apple. Um, the 1M7 remains one of my favourite phones of all time. I, I just love that phone. Um, but it, it, latterly, it always sort of seemed to be the case that they 
and they were sort of like six months behind everybody else. So, so they brought out the one M nine, and about six weeks later, I guess it was probably something like the S seven, something like that, came out with a, an appreciably better camera and whatever else. They and, and there was nothing actually wrong with the one M nine. It was just it wasn't quite cutting edge, and 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 I think that's a bit of the way. You've, obviously, not in the case of the camera, but that, that's a bit of the way the rest of the phone feels. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly good enough. It's just not quite the the, at the sort of forefront. Now you've got to think that with Google behind it, a, a couple more iterations, and it might well be at the forefront. Uh, indeed, I hope that's kind of where they're aiming it. But but at the moment, camera aside, it doesn't feel cutting edge it's it's good enough i think that's probably the best way to put it whilst we're sort of on the subject of tariffs and vodafone Ah. what's the uh query that you had on this well no just i wanted to publicize something really i i I have a um a business account on vodafone uh which uh is the one that will be replaced by this one assuming it all goes ahead Uh, and it had a really useful facility and that was they sent me a spare sim card called a data sharer sim uh which as the name implies it, it meant i could use the data uh, on my main tariff in a, in another device. So I, I had the data share a SIM in my laptop, in fact. Um, so I got this letter yesterday, which is really rather uh, uh, rather irritating, really. It, I mean, for a start off, it's got classic 21st century doublespeak. It doesn't come straight out and say, we're charging you more. It says, we're making some change to our products. And then you've got this big grid and this big table. And it's kind of designed to sort of not look totally transparent, in my opinion. It says... Anyway, the mobile broadband plan you previously allowed shared data, we are now replacing this plan with an inclusive data allowance. So the price you pay for this service will be £11. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute, you're you're replacing a free part of my contract with something that's now going to cost me £11. And then it goes on to say, alternatively, you have the right to end your agreement without penalty for the effective mobile broadband connections listed. Just text us, and it then tells you how to disconnect it using text, which I've, I've already done because I'll just tether it instead. So, so frankly, it's a, a, a bit of a ridiculous thing for them to have done because it's not saving them anything. But it's just the sort of... The, the, I've got two issues with it, really. One is... They've increased my overall package, but they're saying all I can actually disconnect is the broadband. Well, I'm not too fussed about that. It's only got a couple of months to go anyway, but the, the principle of it isn't good. Um, but more to the point, it's just sort of, it almost feels kind of spiteful in a way. Um, it's a facility they, they were selling me the contract on. Uh, now they're taking it away. I don't see why I can't cancel the whole contract. I don't actually want them to. Is the contract still in term? Yeah, it's a twelve month. It's a twelve month sim only contract, and th- and they were basically saying, "Well, this was a free extra, so you can cancel the free extra." I think I ought to be able to cancel the whole contract now. As it happens, I don't want to. Um, but if you've just started one of these and you've got a data share sim and you get this, to me, they've really quite damaged the the value proposition that they uh, they sold it on because it was really useful having a sim card. It, it actually in my laptop, it saved me, you know tethering it in, in, in any other sort of way you just switch the laptop on it logs onto the network off you go you know? i would have thought the saving is about 10 pounds well, yeah. you know if you want to have a, a data sim that's worth its salt with any amount of data on you're going to spend roughly 10 pound aren't you well hang on here's the, here's the next rub um my current contract has 50 gigabytes of data on it and, and in theory the data share sim could use all of that including roaming yeah yeah but this 11 pounds they're replacing it with includes wait for it two gigabytes own data allowance separate from your existing device and anything you use over your inclusive allowance will be charged at £6.50 for every 250 megabytes. So it's just purely a separate contract essentially and not a great value one when you compare it with some of the ones that are about at the moment it's it's not even a good value one though so it goes on to say 
Um, if you're not happy with this, you can text the word disconnect to 97888 and then, you, then it says what number do you want to disconnect and you put in the mobile broadband number and you get something back saying your request has been passed to our team to complete. Uh, if you take this action before 7th of January, your service will be disconnected and not change the new plan. Well, too, too right I did. But the thing that really sort of uh, gets, gets in yet more 21st century doublespeak, uh, it's signed, kind regards, Varun Krishnan, Head of Enterprise Customer Experience. Well, Vodafone, all I can say to you is it's a miserable customer experience and I'm not impressed. Fair comment? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Sounds like a, just, it just sounds like a blatant breaking of the contract that you signed. Yeah, yeah. Customer experience. Well, customer experience is go. That's not a good one. Okay, so next thing to have a chat about is your experience with headphones. So yeah. back end of last episode, we were discussing whether it would be worth you buying a, a pair of headphones for sort of 79 quid i think they were so that's that's right how did they go Hmm. do you remember what i said i thought the problem would be i think you were saying that your tinnitus would prevent you being able to tell the difference between a decent pair of headphones and perhaps some rubbish ones i think actually that's probably pretty much spot on because it, it, it for the tinnitus is a strange thing because people experience it different ways and of course it isn't actually a it, it's a it's a, actually a malfunction of the brain rather than anything else um but in my case it consists of a not terribly loud but constant high-pitched whistle I and mean, it's there the whole time from when i wake up to when i go to sleep and, and just every so often it really gets on top of you um but most of the time i can back it down and ignore it so i now have this nice pair of, of sony uh, cans you know they 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 are nice headphones, there's no doubt about it. Then I suppose for 80 quid, they probably should be at least reasonable headphones. Um, what are they? I can't remember which ones they are now. Uh, CH700N. Um, every time I, I uh, fire up the iPhone to listen to them, it tells me there's a software update, and the software update fails every time, but that's a different issue. Um, but basically, when I put them on, um, obviously they exclude a lot of the extraneous noise, which means that my ears sort of say, oh, can't hear anything, I'll, I'll turn the volume up, and that turns up the whistle. So, so then you put some music on. Now, um, if I put the right sorts of music on, I don't get to hear the whistle. But if I put, say, piano music on, effectively what it's actually done is increase the volume. So, yeah, not a, not a great success from that point of view. Now, now then, because obviously I've never sort of bothered with headphones, and, and, and I blame you and Kev for this, this expense, but there you go. Um, I don't really know what, what it means by noise cancelling. What, what does it mean by noise cancelling, James? So... You know, noise cancelling from the cassette days, you know, with uh, Dolby B and Dolby C. Yeah, take the hiss out of it, effectively. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like that in as much as it just takes the background noise out of it. And obviously the classic example would be you're on a plane or you're on a bus and there's a constant sort of noise Mm. that you then want to reduce that noise. So you sort of do the noise cancelling and it'll take that out. So if you imagine... The ideal mechanism would be you're you're sat on an aeroplane and you turn the noise cancelling on and you it sounds like you're in a, you know, a furnished room with no sound going on around you. Now, of course, it doesn't work like that. It just reduces it significantly. But the effect can be quite good, can be quite significant in terms of taking away that background mm. noise. I mean, I mean, for, for me, I've got to say, I'm not convinced these are going to make any improvement at all, other than... Yeah, I suppose I can actually completely deafen myself as opposed to listening to a pair of um, AirPods. But an uh, interesting experiment. I, I, you know, I, I'm trying to work out what types of music they work better for than other, than others. But I mean, uh, you know, they they certainly don't work very well with piano music, for example, because 
piano m- music with enhanced whistle is not. <laughs> it's a a sort of rather um, odd experience, should we say? Yeah, it doesn't sound great. No, it's not. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a funny it's a funny thing because most times I don't have any problem with it. So sometimes it does sort of kind of get you down a bit. Occasionally in a crowd, it's awkward because it actually. Again, the brain sort of turns it up rather irritatingly, and then you start losing conversation. Um, but there's nothing that you can do about that. I mean, it, it is a, a wiring failure, effectively. Um, in, in my case, it started when you, you know you sometimes get a cold and, and your ears whistle when you when they're all bunged up and whatever. Well, basically, in my case, it never went away and, and never is going to. Um, but I just don't think. I'll, I'll put it this way: these were seventy nine quid. I bet if I spent two hundred and seventy nine quid, it'd be no better. I don't, you know, I don't think I'd see any benefit for them. I thought that they that they would work for you, i.e., certainly with my ears, I get do get a ringing in my ears quite a lot. But the ringing in my ears is not a whistle. It's you know, like the night, the morning after you've gone to a rock concert, your ears are ringing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get that a lot. Yeah. And um, so I call that tinnitus. I don't know whether it is. I... It probably it probably is. I mean, there are, there are all sorts of types of tinnitus. In fact, if you spend some time studying it, it's actually quite interesting what what the causes are. But this yeah. this is a tech podcast. But but my guess is that maybe the the problem I have is less susceptible to being drowned out is the wrong word, but but buried. Yeah, under the, distracted. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Um, I can distract it listening to music, but it depends on the on the music in question, and, and actually. Um, you know, I mean, it always amuses me. Uh, my friends when I talk about this, you know, I do tend to listen to quite a lot of loud electronic music for exactly that reason. It, it hits exactly the same notes as the as the tinnitus, and occasionally I can sort of get half an hour off from it. But they go, "You're listening to what?" Um, but but you certainly wouldn't want to listen to Moonlight Sonata with these headphones. It would uh, completely spoil it. Yeah, and pretty much if I put anything on, any background noise, whether it be, you know, I listen to a lot of Brian Eno just yeah. to get a background noise going. Yeah. Um, but certainly, if I'm listening to something, anything on, on headphones, um, that will tend to distract or overcome or whatever the right term is the ringing that I tend to have to a lesser or greater degree, depending on the day, uh, in my ears. I, for me, it's mine gets worse the tighter I am. So yeah, that's that's quite quite normal. Yeah, yeah. If I'm sort of knackered after a couple of days because of work or you know I've been out partying or whatever it might be, then I'll have it quite bad. Whereas if it's I'll probably forget I've even got it for a couple of weeks if I have if I'm getting enough sleep and I'm not I'm not run down. Yeah. Um and certainly if I do have it, if I put any kind of music on, either on a speaker or on headphones, it does kind of distract me from it. So yeah. uh, I thought that might might be worth a punt with you, but well, it, uh, fair enough. I think the thing is, it, it, I'm not saying that they're not they don't work at all because they do, but they don't they don't work any more than AirPods do. That's the point. Or or indeed I'm I'm I've got a pair of uh, Ten pound JVC flats on at the moment while we're we're recording this. They don't don't work for that purpose any any differently. Um, that's not to say that if I find something that does actually uh, coincide with the whistle, they yeah they're pretty damn good. I'm, I, I, in that in that extent, I don't mind because I've kind of proved a point there. Yeah, no, it's worth it's a worthwhile experiment anyway, isn't it? And I am going on a plane shortly, so I shall take them on that and see if it drowns out the engine noise. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how well it does that because obviously I would hope that. The ones that I got for three hundred quid would be more effective at doing that noise cancellation than the ones that you bought for seventy nine quid. But we'll see. It might be that uh, yeah, uh, you get a good 
a good effect with it. Yeah, we we'll give it a go and see what goes. But yeah, yeah, interesting experiment, and uh, yeah, it kind of validates what I thought really. But uh, I'm I'm not through with testing them. I'll, I'll I'll try them a few times. We'll see how we go. So, anything else to cover? Well, just what I wanted to just uh, briefly mention, if we have a little a little time left, and that is um. Those of you using Flickr uh, and the new charge they've introduced, uh, our good friend Andy had a great idea, uh, which was uh, Amazon Photos um, is including a Prime subscription. Uh, so I know Andy's done this, and I'm 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 still doing it. Um, what I've been doing is I, if you go into Flickr, you can get it to do you a. Uh, download of all of your data uh, and what they do is they uh, produce a zip file for every 500 photos you've got uh, and then you can upload these zip files into Amazon Photos. Now I, I gotta say uh, if you want to do this I'll warn you it's a pretty slow process. The Amazon Photos app on the phone uploads stuff fine mm-hmm. but if you're bulk uploading at 500 a go it, it, it's very variable to say the least it kind of depends on when everybody's in bed in america because that's obviously where the servers are but once you've done that and i mean at the moment i'm about a third of the way through my pictures it's already starting to do this it's a it's actually quite a decent app um and and this the um the web interface is pretty good too it's it's not dissimilar from google photos um and, and i mean the reason that i had google photos and uh, Flickr on the go is because I basically I want to have everything backed up in two different places. And um, um, Flickr, I've sort of taken the view, well, I'll, I'll pay them for 12 months and see how they go. But it, it, it cost me nothing other than an amount of time to put everything on Amazon Photos too. It may well be after a year, if Flickr haven't pulled their socks up, I'll just let it let it go, because by then the pictures will be backed up on, on Amazon and on, on Google. But I think it's worth worth having a go with it. The only issue is it depends how many photos you've got. I've got about 80,000 on Flickr because I always used it as somewhere that I just store everything rather than putting my best pictures on. Um, and that means I've got 166 zip files uh, and I'm currently uploading zip file number 58. So it's going to be a bit of a painful pro- uh, process because I've been doing it sort of five or ten a day. Um, but it's worth looking at this Amazon photo. If you've got Amazon Prime. It is actually quite good. The you know, on on Android and iOS it uploads nicely, nicely and quickly. Um, and the interface when you log into it is actually pretty good. The, the issue really is that it's definitely in America. I don't think there's any, any doubt that the servers are in America. So, so uh, for example, the first thing this morning it was uploading more quickly. It's begun to slow down now because what time is it in America now? It's going to be sort of quarter past six in the East Coast. Um, in the evening, it's painfully slow when all of America is online in, in the, in, during the day, I guess. So... Worth worth giving that one a look out, I think. Okay, and what sort of features does it have in terms of organising well, albums and tagging well, and those sorts of things? Very similar. It has it has albums. It has people recognition, much like Google does. Uh, it's managing to pick up the the tags from Flickr about where um, places are. So, for example, so far the pictures I've uploaded include New York, Berlin, Dresden, Luxembourg, Malta, Madrid. You know, it, it is actually picking that out. It's picking out the dates. It's sorting in dates in the same sort of way as Google Photos does. Uh, it's sorting it by subject, so you know, trees, water, castle, tower, plants, people, whatever. Uh, it's doing all that without any intervention from me, which is pretty good. I believe you can actually, um, well, I know you can create albums, but I've not actually, not actually gone to that bother. I want to use this as a, a sort of searchable storage. Searching seems reasonable too. So you're just bundling all the photos in there as just one big blob? 
basically, yeah, because I'm I'm using it as backup. I'm not not really um, too worried about uh, albums. I mean, if I had all the time in the world, yeah, I probably would do. But uh, I I think from what I've seen so far, the search is pretty good. So certainly, if you've got a Prime subscription and you've got a bit of time, I can't see any reason not to use it because it it you know it's getting something out of your subscription and uh, it is actually pretty good. I think so. Thought I might like to flag that one up and and blame Andy for you know, many hours of sat here now watching the thing uploading, but um, but no, it, it's not really red palaver. You just basically expand the zip file and tell it to add, and it goes away and does it. Ah, okay. Well, I may well investigate that. I mm. I have uh, quite a laborious photo workflow, so mm. I wouldn't want to add any complexity to it, but. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe I do need to investigate. Once you've got it on the phone, uh, it's very much like Google Photos, which I've got the same site as well. It just kind of uploads it all in the background and you don't even notice it's happened. Which is good for backup, yeah. but I always curate my photos before I put them up onto Google Photos or onto Flickr at the moment. So it's a bit of a weird one. I don't actually auto-upload any of my photos. Well, I'm, I'm sure you could curate it and then auto-upload to to, to both, but um, you, you would need to give a bit of thought to your workflow, I guess. But it, it, it seems to work pretty well. Okay, so that's definitely one worth investigating. Yeah, yeah, I reckon so. So any other toys? Um, well, I've got a toy that I haven't yet actually switched on. Okay. Uh, which is, good, which is uh, I, uh, I got from uh, Rich the Galaxy Gear uh, Sport, but I didn't want to actually use it till I got a leather strap for it because the plastic straps that come with these things bring me out in a rash so uh, the, leather, the leather strap for that arrived about half past seven last night so at the moment i've um, i've put the strap on but i haven't actually padded it up so that's, that's one for another time uh other than that i think between headphones and pixels i've bought more than enough in the way of toys lately um do have a sniff on the horizon of a of possibly a new ipad pro but we'll uh, we'll come to that next time shall we yeah no that would be um <clears throat> that would be very interesting so i suppose the the one thing that uh, I'll mention, because I think it's something that I got earlier in the year and is starting to really come into its own, is the Apple TV. All oh, right, yeah. So I've got the Apple TV 4K, and more recently, more and more content on there is being available in both Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... What that's basically doing is making sure that you're getting content in the best possible formats, basically. Yeah. So Dolby Vision is the top video format and Dolby Atmos is the top audio format. And whilst the data rate is not going to be quite as high as coming off a Blu-ray disc, certainly the picture and the effect is really, really good. And you've got that for both iTunes purchases and rentals, but also... Uh, on Netflix now, so if you if I want to watch something on Netflix in full top end video, top end audio, I'll go to the uh, Apple TV. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's re- really been the sort of um, slightly abandoned product for some while. But it, 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 I think one thing that's very noticeable about Apple as a whole is that they are gradually expanding into uh, services uh, in a way that they haven't really done before. Now, I think they need to have a more coherent cloud uh, offering than they currently have. But if you look at Apple Pay and and what you're saying about uh, Apple TV, you can see there's definitely thought going into how can they actually grow that part of the business as the the hardware side of the business sort of, I guess, reaches a plateau, doesn't it? Yes. There's only so many of these things you can sell. And there are a few 
exclusives on the Apple TV that suggest that they are putting some effort into getting those exclusives. So in the States, uh, they've got all of the Bond films in 4K. Yeah. And I think that's the only mechanism that you can get the Bond films in 4K is through the US iTunes on your Apple TV 4K. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple of films where the 4K version is available on iTunes um, and, and nowhere else. So they're obviously putting a little bit of effort into getting some exclusive content there and making sure that they've got the absolute best hardware. If you if you want to get one of these streaming sticks, these streaming boxes, and have a decent amount of content with which to watch, then, you know, at the moment, Apple is kind of getting leaps and bounds ahead of the competition. So uh, Amazon have got 4K streaming devices that do have uh, Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision, but they're a little bit way behind on the content. Mm. You know, their their own Amazon Prime content is fairly small and fairly modest when it comes to HDR and Atmos comp content. And also certainly in the UK, in terms of purchasing uh, HDR and Atmos content, there's not a great deal amount of that content available from uh, Amazon. But from Apple, pretty much most of the new releases that are coming out are available in 4K, in HDR, with Dolby Atmos on the Apple 4K TV, Apple TV 4K. So it's becoming very much my uh, sort of streaming box of choice. Not, not, not your Skybox. Well, Sky is pretty competitive in that area, but they're a little bit slow in getting the HDR on there. So I think it's next year now before they're going to get the HDR content on there. Yeah. They have got all the, they have got Dolby Atmos. They've got a very good selection of Dolby Atmos. And apart from Apple, they're one of the few people that is getting a lot of UHD content out there. You know, they've got a lot of 4K content, both on their Sky Cinema and on their Sky Box mm. sets. So you, you, you kind of feel that with the Apple TV and the, and the Sky uh, the Sky setup, you've got the best of both worlds, really, from the sounds of that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's got both bases covered at the moment, definitely. Uh, all you really need is the right armchair now. Well, yeah, and uh, to be fair, I upgraded my armchair uh, a couple of years ago <laughs> from a very sort of squashy one to a slightly firmer one. But this firmer one is not perfect it's a little bit creaky so i think with maybe maybe not next year maybe the year after i'll look at another upgrade but um it's one of those ones where you look back and you think oh did i make the right decision on this but it is such a it's such a big purchase isn't it a sofa oh gosh yeah that uh that you really uh, can't upgrade your sofa every year it's not an iphone no no it's it's, it's more expensive than an iphone for a, a sofa every year anyway yeah plus what do you do with the old one you know you can't very easily say to your friends hey do you want to buy my used sofa no although the the council do do a decent service where they take it away for 30 quid <laughs> and i'm sure it gets recycled nicely uh yeah you can only hope so, so you're all set up for for Christmas on all your viewing. Then. Yeah, I think I'm okay for um for viewing. I think there's a possibility of a couple of devices getting here from Hong Kong before the uh-huh. end of the year, but we'll see yeah. about. Tell that. us more. Tell us more. Maybe that's the next show. Yeah, I think so. But hopefully they'll be here for the next show. Yeah, be good. Well, in that case, probably we uh, 
We should wish everybody a happy Christmas, shouldn't we? Yeah, have fun and be happy, which is, uh, there's not very many opportunities for that these days. No, indeed. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's work on the basis. We'll wish you a happy Christmas, but we'll we'll try and see you again before then. Excellent. If, if James feels like editing on the day before Christmas Eve or something like that. Oh, I can't think of anything better. <laughs> Righto. Well, shall we, uh, shall we call it a wrap at that point? Sounds good. Thanks for the chat, Richard. Take care, James. Bye now.